Okay, today I'm at Cheltenham Racecourse, as you can probably see behind uh, James Stevens, a racing post, what was it, reporter? Journalist reporter, overall, yeah. So, James, you're a full-time uh, journalist with the racing post. How long have you been with the paper? Uh, would be now about three and a half years, probably four in the summer. Right, so it wasn't all that long before we were all plunged into uh, strange times. So half of your career with the post has been under like various restrictions. Has it been a stifling experience or have you sort of embraced it? Uh, it's been very different for me. Um, I suppose the same with everyone. Um, a lot of what I've done is sort of just general sports reporting, but I think when it came to COVID and the situation like that, it was it was very, very different because you're doing more news. And I was one of a lucky few that carried on through COVID and it was, it was certainly experience just sort of waking up every day and thinking, right, I'm not just writing a preview for the novice chase at Exeter. It's, is the sport going to continue? Where's the money going to come from? Oh, of course, it's going to, of course, it's going to suffer. What's going to happen next? So, yeah, it was. But at the same time, you know, I think it's an experience that hopefully I won't have to go through again. But I learned a lot from it, I have to say. Okay, and I've spent a, uh, a bit of time with you in press rooms around the, around the country. And you're a, a young man with some quite strong opinions, which we'll get on to in a bit. But first of all, just tell us a little bit about your background. You've got a racing family? Uh, not at all, no. Um, so I live in, grew up in Newbury, so not far away from the race course. My mum actually now lives on the race course. Um, so racing for me was something that we would sort of do as a bit of a sort of a day out, sort of a free Saturday. And I can't remember the exact moment, but I was the one that sort of got hooked by it. I mean, my dad liked to drink, my mum liked to look more glamorous than usual. So, um, yeah, I just, just loved going. And by the, by the time I sort of got a bit older, I understood sort of the, the dynamics of having a bet and sort of understanding, you know, the, the fun and the studying and the escapism one was of really locking yourself into a card and trying to pick a winner and such. And the satisfaction you get from, from them finding it which I've not felt for a while. Um, that's what really drew me to it. And by sort of going into school, I was sort of eager to drag my parents out to take me a few more times. And I sort of knew that it was a sport I'd love to work in. It's interesting for, well, for, for me, I mean, you, live, you lived in a town, you grew up in a town that had a big race course. All of us go to the race courses. Mm. It is, how, how does Newbury look upon the race course? Is it, are the whole town interested or is it just something that's there that most people aren't bothered about? What's the... Well, I, f I think the race course itself would probably want to think that the town is all very interested, but I, I don't think they are in a sense. I mean, Newbury's a particularly strange example because the race course has changed so much in the last few years of the, the development they've done there. So it's a bit of a, a different case. But what I would say is that the Hennessy draws in the crowd. People know, talk about the Hennessy or now the Labrooks Trophy. It, it's a real event. But what I think is interesting is that the events that people were particularly keen on going to were the music nights. It wasn't necessarily... It was Super Sprint Day, which the purists like me and you would say, it was Ollie Mers was playing. So where racing sits, I suppose, was interesting being in that for, for environment for me because I sort of learnt how perhaps it wasn't as big as the perception of certain people think it is in, in a town like that. Okay, now the actual racing itself, you enjoyed going racing. What, what was it that, you know, what was it that initially sort of bit you? Was it the, the betting, the atmosphere, the colour, the bookies, a mixture of all of it, the actual horses? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say the idea of sort of the game itself, the sort of sport itself, and the, as I sort of said, to, said earlier, sort of trying to find a winner, trying to understand the game, trying to put a lot of time into something and then find out that you're right, I thought was quite an interesting thing to do. I mean, I love all sports. I've always been a sports fanatic. I've also been a failure at every sport I've ever tried. Um, the most 
sort of commonly as darts, which is a whole different story that I don't particularly want to go into. But so for me, sort of really putting yourself in attention on something and then coming out on the other side with a success was something I really liked. And I think that's probably where it came from. But yeah, understanding more and more about the game, learning about it, reading and watching videos and stuff, it, it fascinated me a lot more because there is so much to know about it. And even now I'm, I'm still amazing myself with what I, what I need to learn and what I need to understand. I'm hoping that it's fairly unusual that a younger person, you know, sort of school age, or whatever, would be um, would know about the form and that sort of thing. I've got to admit, I didn't know a form book existed until I was probably old enough to drink. Um, and the extent of picking a winner was looking at man on the spot or something. So, you know, when did you when did you realise that there was this wealth of information you could delve into to, to start to pick your own winners? Uh, not not anything special in terms of, of that sort of talent myself, but I think it's just it's just the time. I think it's having this real time to to look and to watch back and to sort of read analysis, um, really sit down and t pay a lot of attention to it. And I think that if you really enjoy doing it and really want to do it, you will do it because it, it's something you're drawn to. And I think I think it's that and just watching more racing. And it became a bit of an obsession after a while. You know, it just became something that I just absolutely loved. I loved doing it. I'd wake up, I'd think about, you know, Leicester, I'd think about, you know, the next day Fontwell and sort of understanding that and picking my way. And it was always the jumps as well. You know, that was something cool. It was, for me, that sort of road to, to here, to Cheltenham Festival, sort of just saying, okay, maybe I've seen something out of the ordinary here. And, and maybe even if they end up, they're being right. That's, that's something that particularly, you know, drew to me. It's that road that was pretty cool. So, but, but what is there anybody that sort of said to you, look, look, James, you can buy all these books or you can read all this for, I mean, because normally somebody point somebody in the right direction when they're of that age because it's not a cheap game is it getting the full the form and stuff no 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 um, no no one really really pointed it to me i think that that people went along with me but um i think i was left alone to do it and um they probably wanted to be sh sh wanted to shut me up more than anything but yeah no uh, then but they wouldn't have wanted to shut you up if um they'd been on that school was it the upper sixth school trip yeah yeah it's a bit of a legendary tale and i think it's still told so the story was it was on a school trip in I think, yeah, second year of sick form um, to London. I think it was the library or something like that. It was, it was pretty dull. So I thought, right, well, I'm going to buy a copy of Racing Post on the way. I picked out four horses that I quite fancied, all fairly good prices, and um, tell, told my dad to put 15 quid in his account and put this on for me. And he did. And yeah, by the end of the day, I'd, I'd, I'd won quite a bit of money. And um, I remember sitting in the back of a bus and everyone was sort of cheering on. Valid point, it was called. Nine to, nine to one in the four o'clock at Leicester. You don't forget these things. Yeah, it was um, for 15 quid, it, it paid four figures. So I was dead chuffed. <laughs> and I know the next day it was going around the whole school. So um, yeah, I, I made a name for myself then, but whether for the right reasons at age 16, I'm not quite sure. So that been happening a while? I mean, was your dad not adverse to putting on 15 quid for his uh, schoolboy's son? No, I, I think he realised that I was massively into it. And um, yeah, I, I bought him a, a nice bottle, I think. So I don't think he was too bothered. <laughs> so you went you went to um, University of Gloucester. I assume that was to be near Cheltenham in the come racing, was it? Yeah, yeah, Cheltenham actually, Gloucestershire. Um, yeah, I, I sort of was stuck between my career because I'd, I'd had this passion for racing, but at the same time, I, I loved my football. I did a lot of stuff for the local team, or the team, not really local, but the team that I support, Newport County, who were at the time in the fifth tier, so the, the media and that sort of side of it, there wasn't a lot of sort of um, outside pressure, you know, there wasn't a lot of people wanting to do stuff about that football club, so I did a lot for them, but 
I always wanted to do racing and I thought if I put myself here I'd have a better chance and yeah and, and then it was just emailing and emailing and emailing and no 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 and bang I got lucky with the the old racing plus which is no longer around did some stuff for them and then because I had that first foot in the door other people would more likely say yes and I just freelanced and freelanced for three years and yeah made myself very stressed but got a lot of experience which is which is quite important I suppose. So did, but you did all this while you were still doing your degree yeah uh, so when did the focus totally shift from football? How, how far into it were you? Uh, I would say it was more in the second year when I was sort of the work I was doing was a lot more racing focused. So I just decided to drop it off slowly. To be honest, um, I always enjoyed it. You know, I'm a I'm a bit of a, a loyal man. So I, the fact that I was involved with the club, I sort of felt the I had to sort of carry on doing it. But um, yeah, I've got a very strange phone book now of random non-league footballers and horse racing trainers. So yeah. Hey, but you took, just want to go back to the school trip. So you're on the bus. Is anybody else at all interested in racing? Or was it only you, like the odd kid that likes the racing? Yeah, was was to be honest. I think a lot of people, as as I say, we live in Newbury. A lot of people would experience it and they would go. And even sort of now, I still I don't really speak to many people from from school and such. But I will get a message. You know, how am I getting on? And it happens to be when there's a, a big fixture at Newbury, sort of thing. You know, okay, I wonder why they've suddenly got in touch here. You know, um, so I think racing is it wasn't something they were particularly interested in it was something they were passionate about but it was something that they would visit and they'd go to and I think what racing has to do is to find out how we can make those people who are going racing at least once want to go for a second time a third time and go not because they're with a group of friends on a day out but because they actually enjoy the sport for what it is in its purest form okay now go back to these kids on the bus I imagine it, all of them probably had a football team favourite football team they're probably into cricket mm. play tennis you know the, the rugby mm. all that so why is it do you think that a bus a coach full of 50 odd kids and there's only one interest in racing but all the rest are all sports fans but not racing I suppose I think that, that racing has two sort of main uh, there's a real association with, with betting and I think a lot of people are still uncomfortable about it um, and I think that's probably going to develop more when when we have the white paper from government and, and betting is put under the spotlight a lot more rapidly um, so I think a lot of people who feel that they're not interested in betting would feel that they're not then interested in racing and as we, we've said that association may have to sort of balance itself just a little bit more um, secondly I think racing is a sport that you don't just sort of pick up it's a sport that you really develop you have to sort of really put a lot of time into it and develop it and, you, and your interest flourishes over time you know it's I, I think that Anyone could come here and see the horses run round, but actually really understanding, okay, well, why is it so special that this horse has won an RSA? You know, why is that going to be a gold cup? That is a bit of a level of detail that I think the more you, the more you sort of put yourself in and dig a little deeper, that's when you sort of reap the rewards and really become interested in the sport like, like I was. Okay, if you don't mind me asking, was the school you were at, was it a, a state school or was it a private school? No, no, school? it was a state school. Yeah, so do you think the the ratio of people interested in racing might have been a lot bigger if it had been a private school, a fee-paying school. Yeah, well, it's in Newbury, so I imagine if it was a private school, there were a few people who are somewhat linked to the racing. But yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, there, there's always that sort of link and establishment. But at the same time, you know, when we talk about class and we talk about racing, you know, a lot of people still see see the derby as the sort of going on the hill and such. It's, it's not all of the, the sort of upper class. There's also that sort of level of enjoying the sport from a more working class level which is which is great yeah that's true because i was going to say to you um 
you know, is you think there is a definite social divide between depending on how many young people get into racing, you know, before sort of others do. But that's, that's a good um, that's a good comparison there. Is there any way around trying to promote racing to a, you know school age ch children as it's so tied with betting? Because is there any way around untying it? Um, I think it's difficult because I think that given the sort of the feelings people have about betting and, and the whole in this country and I think as well I think I think the the where betting fits in society will probably change over time because you know we know this white paper's coming we know it's going to be a, a real hot topic you know things like problem gambling is quite regularly in the news now so it's always going to be a concern but racing has a lot of benefits that isn't just going and, and having a bet on the races you know it's, it's a it's an opportunity to go out and and dress up which I think is a really understated reason for why people come to this sport they like the opportunity to look good feel good you know take some nice pictures that's huge in, in, in society now look at look at the burst of Instagram and things like that I think in terms of at school children level it's quite an easy sport to understand and I think that that's a key selling point horses are, are animals you know you want to see animals you know beautiful animals go around their business like they do on the race course so that's another angle I think, though, that, that if racing is going to reach those people, it has to offer something a bit different. You know, it has to sort of make that day out a little bit more special. And you do see the sort of family days, and you do see um, times when um, there's, there's sort of big family crowds in the race courses. And I think making those days and more of those days and just sort of really pointing them out is going to be the key. I, I have a strong believer that we have too many races that are just normal fixtures. You know, they're just normal run-of-the-mill fixtures. And the way to really develop them is to give them a theme, give them a purpose, give them something that people go, why should I go to this fixture because of this, bang, what's the USP? Not just because it's a Saturday at you know, whatever track and there's a big handicap chase. That's not gonna cut it with, with ordinary people. I think they really has to sell something that makes you really wanna get out of bed and go, go to and the race course. Is that still okay if it's to see um, Ollie Moors? Yeah, definitely. You know, it gets people racing and you know, if there's one in 25 people that go and have a really brilliant day because of the racing itself and go back and there's 10,000 people then that's a huge amount of people from that day who are suddenly going to be coming back and back and enjoying racing again so yeah no I'm, I'm all for those people for those sort of gigs and stuff I think that if they're managed right and they, they fit the program I think go for it. Well James as, as we've said in the first part you now uh, work for the Racing Post but you, you came through the BHA graduate program um, for those of us, me included, really, that don't really understand what that is, can you tell us a bit about the benefits of it and what it what it is? Yeah, so it's for sort of people who have left university, or it was at the time, I think it's well, the division of, of who can actually access the course has changed a little bit. But it's for people who want to work in racing that perhaps have come in race, have gone, gone to university and studied different things, you know, whether it be marketing or, or that, courses that you wouldn't really associate with, with racing. It then gives them an opportunity to learn a bit more about the sport. Um, so you get two weeks in Newmarket, which is all paid for very kindly, where you have guest speakers in from all different sectors, from breeding, from media, from you know, sort of the BHA, different departments of what they do. Learn really sort of about how the sport operates and all the different places that come in and make the sport what it is. You know, betting, betting included. You know, those sort of outside sort of uh, departments I suppose that influence the sport and then you go off and, and do a um, do a six month a six week placement with different companies that have links with racing and mine frankly was was the racing post and they've not kicked me out yet so <laughs> so did you go into the program 
with the intention to work for the Racing Post or was did you go in with an open mind and then you gravitated towards that? Uh, I was desperate to work for the Racing Post. It was the only one I put down because I thought, if, so you get, an op, you get three options of where you'd want to go. I put the Racing Post as number one down because I thought if I put it as number one, they'll think I'm a bit difficult and they won't try and palm me off somewhere else. So I put myself number one and my, my aggressive tactic might have paid off. So yeah. You focused on what you wanted to do. Yeah. So I mean, the, obviously you get a lot of experience in the horse racing industry as you're going through, but is really the main, is the main benefit of it a leg up into the industry through all that experience? Yeah, I think so. And I think the other thing that's quite important is there were real, a, mix of, of people on the course there are people who, who have a real a, a lot of time and a lot of experience in working in yards and stables as a you know there's people who'd worked in stables and um, and such and, and they've done that all their lives so they didn't quite understand about okay well what 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 is life like for a bookmaker and what 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 is the integrity of, of checking out sort of gambles and understanding you know when the price suddenly drifts and the horse is then beaten why that is a red flag you know and at the same time all that sort of in intensive sort of why breeding happens and how it sort of happens and to be honest sort of knowing literally how it's done that's something that I was never exposed to so linking those two together and, and really sort of um, building up people's knowledge is one but yes of course it's, it's given those opportunities which unfortunately they're, they're quite hard to come by sometimes. Okay, now you're, you're involved with the HWPA, the Horse Writers and Photographers Association. Now, a lot of people probably just associate that with a really good do in London <laughs> the first Monday of December every year. But um, tell us a bit about them and what your role is there. Yeah, so I joined the committee last year, I think it was, yeah, 2021. And so we basically are an organisation and a committee that, that are looking to give the interest of the horse racing media really um so whether that be with race courses with looking after sort of photographers and, and the broadcasters and, and the writers you know giving them the best sort of working opportunities on the race course and in and in racing in general so yeah it, it, you know the the committee is a quite a new committee there's quite a few of us coming in we've obviously got the awards which takes a lot of our attention and it's as you say it's a it's a, it's a brilliant do so thank you for plugging that um <laughs> Um, so yeah, and other, other than that, you know, we, we want to build, I suppose, a bit more of a, of a community and, and really build up the fact that we're sort of all in this together. And, and I think that's what a few of us younger ones are doing. So yeah, it, it's busy times. We're, we're busy away trying to sort a few things out, but no, it's a, it's a cracking place to be involved with and I'm enjoying it so far. And hopefully it will sort of develop more to, you know, really put ourselves out there and show exactly what we're doing and, and the important work we're doing. Okay, now you mentioned a few of you younger ones, so I was assuming you'd probably be one of the youngest. So what would be the demographic on the committee? Um, I would say, yeah, there's a, there's a few, there's got a, a, quite a few, quite a varied, there's quite a few youngsters on there. Um, I'd say two or, f uh, yeah, two or three of them are under, under 20. Um, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a real good mix. We've got people who work in bloodstock, we've got people who work in sort of broadcasting we've got photographers we've got journalists so we've got a, a good very balanced you know male female and the like so yes yeah, it's, it's a good balance and um, a lot of different varying degrees of experience which I think is it's important as well because when it's committee it's about opinions and such so yeah yeah it's a it's a good mix. Okay, given that the sort of changing nature of the uh, of the media these days um, do you think there's still a bit of an outdated bias within the horse racing industry towards the print media? Uh, I think it's 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 tough to judge because I feel that racing sort of desires that sort of type of media still. I still think that people who go racing will want to read 
an analysis of what that race might play out to be or what that trainer thinks will happen in the race. You know, there's so much to remember. You know, it's not just how good is the horse, it's the ground, it's the trip, it's the, you know, whether they're good at jumping left or right, whatever. There's so much that goes into it. So I feel still think there's a desire for that. In terms of the media itself, yeah, I, su I suppose we do put a lot of emphasis on our print media, possibly more than other sports do. Um, but, you know, we want that coverage and we'll support whoever is going to happily give us the coverage and as long as they do it in the right way. Yeah, and we've both sat in empty press rooms during the week. So you see how much attention that print media pays to the you know, the racing during the week, but they all but they get precedent at the big meetings. You think that's still is it still right to give them that opportunity when the big meetings turn up? Yeah, I th I think it's very difficult to sort of judge because um the press rooms are designed for like like a lot of race courses are designed for one or two days really. You know, if you think about some of the big race courses like Aintree, Aintree is really made that big for for three days, which is extraordinary when you think about it. And I think in the same sense that press room is massive and they might not get the same crowd and, and the same amount of press working in some of their like summer jumps fixtures and, and stuff or sort of late late summer jumps fixtures and the like. Um, so yes, I can understand that point. But look, we're getting coverage. You know, we're we're giving the sport out there to a new readership. We want to be in those newspapers we want to be up against them and i think that we talk about sort of print media it's online as well you know having that chance to put racing next door to the other big sports i think is very important so no i'm i'm not sort of with you on that but i think that we should celebrate all types of, of media really um, yeah. well yeah this is the next the, the next bit really i mean is the hwpa starting to embrace the sort of people that create for tiktok and youtube and instagram i mean some of those people have got 50,000, 60,000 sort of followers. Is that something that it's always appeared to me that racing's been a bit sniffy towards the new type of media and the new type of journalism, especially with the, the sort of younger influencers, if you want to call it that. Um, you beginning to sort of take them on board? I think that we are happy to take on board anyone that's sort of promoting the sport in a way. I think it needs to be done in a sensible way, as you said. I understand what you said about a lot of empty press rooms. On the big days, press rooms are very busy and, and space and being able to have access to certain things is, is already sort of under pressure. So we need to be careful in terms of what is, um, who can get access for certain ways. So that, that's something. But me personally, I mean, I can't speak for everyone else, but me personally, I think it's great that we've got influencers and people that are willing to really go out their way to support this sport because that is how you tap into different crowds. That's how you sort of make it, make it sort of compete with the beast of football, which really is but then there's also the other sports that still sort of attract quite a big audience so i'm i'm all for i'm all for that sort of way but i think in terms of what the hgba can do is we've got to sort of strike that balance between not just giving the the print reader all all of free reign and not just giving the, the new guys no looking it's about sort of coming together and balancing out so that people who want to work on race courses can have the access they need can have the sort of the desk space they need which is i suppose still quite an important thing and, and just sort of understanding that, that we have to work sort of together and we're all doing something for a, for a different audience. Yeah, the, the, um, the social side of the sport, I mean, I think the purest people that would be expecting people to be looking into a magnificent speed figure or a draw bias or something, they are in the minority, aren't they? The most people would come racing as part of a big picture. They may be into it technically, but it's a part of a big day out, like you say, getting dressed up. Mm. 
you know that sort of that sort of um, that sort of thing. Now there was a lot of big personalities in the press room in years gone by. Do you still see characters emerging, or has the profile of a racing journalist changed in recent years? I think what we touched on there, the idea of sort of influencers and things like that. I think that is possibly now the new trend of sort of where the attention is going, where the personalities are. If you think about sort of people on YouTube and Twitter and stuff, they are people have come from nowhere really people like the bootlegger for example you know who's just a, a fan who, who drinks at home you know and suddenly he's come through the roof because of twitter because of his antics because of who he is you know i went to a supermarket in wales every week and there, there's his his own beer in the supermarket so i think the way that that, that that um these people develop is changed massively i don't think just because they're a racing journalist it's necessarily going to mean that they're going to turn into a big character they have to be a big character and I think as well, it's important to differentiate that, that journalists and broadcasters are very different. So me sitting in the press room and, and speaking to whoever after the race perhaps doesn't need to be a big personality. My job is to, I suppose, um, be the glass between what's happened and what's said to bring that to the, to, to the reader. So, yeah, I, I think the personalities coming through are, are more online now. And to be honest, they come from everywhere. You, you just don't know what to expect these days. Now, one of the, this is something I didn't mention before. One of the things that racing's always enjoyed above other sports is the access to the stars. Now, is that still is that still the same? You've found as a young reporter that you can still ring up somebody like Paul Nichols. And yeah, I, I think it's an incredible sport, and I think we will probably touch a bit later on syndicates, whereby you can, for a small fee, have a horse in training with you know with with Paul Nichols and go down and see all the stars working out. I mean, how many people would pay millions of pounds to see Man United training on a Saturday morning. So, in terms of media access, we've, we we are very very lucky with, with what we've got. You know, the trainers that we speak to on the whole are, are very very good. They pick up the phone. They're they're fair. They're, they're honest. You know, I think we're very very lucky at that in the sport, and we we appreciate that as, as media. Um, you know, it's a it's a big thing for us. Um, um, on the HWA, it's as well. You know, we always do sort of discuss about the media friendly people and and how good they are for, for the sport. So we're very 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 happy to to sort of with the way that is so yeah it's good it's very good okay james i ended the last part where i did because you mentioned syndicates and that's the next thing that i'd like to talk to you about you're a big fan as you said in part two there um why so i think that we as a sport we need to really look and address about how we can make someone who goes racing once want to go back for more and and really sort of further their interests and i'm a massive believer that, that syndicates in this country should do a lot you know, could be a lot better. They've got huge potential. I think we're a country that, that understands fanatical behaviour. Um, if you go into the fifth tier of English football, you'll see 10,000 people at some matches. You know, we talk about fans going all across the country to watch their teams, you know, whether that be football, rugby, or, or loads, of, uh, loads of sports. Um, and I think we understand that. Uh, you know, the way we speak, we talk about football teams as us, and we talk about our captain as, as you know, our player and such. And I think to an extent that sort of way that we like to live the roller coaster sport means that as a country we should really be getting on board with syndicates. You know, my idea and what I feel about people is that a lot of people can come racing, they can spend a uh, hundred quid on a day, whether that's in bets, their drinks, their ticket, and all the other other bits and pieces. For hundred quid, they could be involved with a race with a with a racehorse. Now, if they come racing once, um, they'll probably have a have a great day and they'll go home. If they are £100 into a, into a horse, I think that really piques your curiosity a little bit more. So you sat in the, your office, you get an email about the horse it's going to run at 
a meeting at Doncaster, okay? Now it's in a handicap, and it's not in a novice hurdle, it's in a handicap. I think then, even though you don't quite understand that, and they explain, okay, well now you're in a handicap, because it's the horse that you own, even if it's the tiniest of share, you still feel that it's yours and you have a sort of link to it. You're suddenly wondering why is that handicap, and you're just sort of understanding a little bit more about the game because the fact it's yours makes you a little bit more curious. And I think that the way that people will develop an interest in a sport is by understanding a bit more about it and really learning about it and understanding the sort of complexities of it and how, okay, it's not for everyone. A lot of people don't like that sort of complexity, but sports like American football in this country are through the roof. And that's a ridiculously complex game. I think people enjoy it, but they just need that experience to come in. And, and that experience of owning a horse, having a winner, that for many people locks them in for life. And the more people that we can give to that, and if it's in a cheap fee, then then, then so be it. I think it's I think I think that the future of syndicates could be absolutely massive, and I think we should do everything we can to embrace it. Okay, now you mentioned there um, more people and cheap fee. There's been a lot of criticism levelled at some of these racing clubs where you pay fifty quid, but you're one of thousands and thousands. I mean, what do you think about that model? Yeah, well. <sighs> Obviously, there's been a few problems with, with syndicates in recent times and the way they've been managed and regulated and the like. So that, that's something I'd, I'd sort of obviously needs to be addressed. There's, there's, there's no other way to look at it than that. But in terms of that model, I mean, yeah, I suppose it's a little bit like a, a, football, a football team. Again, back to that example. I mean, we've mentioned Newport County as a smaller team. People sort of respect me a little bit more because I support them. I was on a train to Scumfolk the other week and there was a fella who... Support. I think it was Boreham Wood, and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I admire you because you support another crap team. You know, I said, okay. That's the sort of thing they say, and I, I sort of let it go, but there you go. But whereas people who support Man United, they're one of many, they're one of many. But at the same way, we still talk about football Man United, just like if you owned 100% of a horse for Newport County, I'd say, yeah, how's your horse? But then I've got mates who are in the owners, owners club, and they talk about their horses as if it is their same. So I, I don't think that sort of idea really works. I think that's racing, just a little bit turning their nose up about that approach. Yeah, then there you lead in nicely onto my next question. Is racing as a sport welcoming to new people? Um, possibly, I think it could improve a lot. Um, I think that, I mean, you've got to remember race courses are weird places in terms of sporting venues because most sporting venues, you have your seat and that's where you are. Whereas on the race courses, you have sections you're allowed in and you're not. And I think for a lot of people that you're not allowed here, you're allowed here, but not here, that's always going to be a little bit of a turn off. But we need that sort of modelling because that's how race courses can fund and how different people can access the areas they need to get. So, yes, in a way, I think in a way people could be turned off by that and sort of the dress codes are quite strict at some meetings. But on the whole, I think in the years since I sort of was first interested, I think it has become more welcoming. Maybe that's because of me and my own experience, but I think that social media has, has done it great wonders and the fact that you can develop an interest and talk about racing with someone like-minded and they don't need to be next to you or on the pub next to you, but they could be on your phone. I think that's, that's helped because if you've got friends, you, you're certainly going to feel more welcome. Now, when, when we were talking before um, we did this interview, you told me that you thought the sports fans of your generation follow lots of sports and dip in and out. Do you think that's different from my generation? Um, I think... It's been exaggerated a bit more. Um, I think more more are people in Britain than they might do America especially. But I think we have access now to so many different sports. I mean, for example, you know, you can now watch anything online if it's a stream, whether it's illegal or not, you know, people will still access it. So I think that people in this country like the idea of good quality sport in action. 
you know, whether it starts on a Thursday and it's the two best players going head to head, whether it is the, the big six nations that's coming up. On Sunday, people who don't know much about American football will tune in to watch the Super Bowl because it's an event. And racing has that with the Grand National and Cheltenham particularly. They are the two that people will always be drawn to. Um, and as a point, they are the two that we need to sell. But <laughs> the more we can get people interested, it, it's, it's for the better. So more of those big days, I think, is, is what we're going to have to really need to establish because I don't think the classics are necessarily, are necessarily drawing in that same crowd. No, and does, uh, does racing do enough? Well, you sort of answered that already, but they don't do enough to keep those people that are dipping in to dip in again more often. Yeah, I think racing needs to really... Um, I, I, it's, a, it's a very, very difficult question when, I, when you first sort of mentioned this to me. So I think what racing has to do in terms of day-in, day-out stuff is to make that whole day more appealing. You know, I see so many meetings that are just so run-of-the-mill, and I always go back to Windsor... I think Windsor is one of the best-run race courses in the country. You know, I know we've got a usual spot on a Monday night and everyone would like a, a slot like that every week, but people go there because it's Caribbean night. It's, well, I don't know, something else night. People have something, OK, well, that's interesting. It, it adds a little bit more flavour to the day, and I think that really drags people in a bit more. It makes them think, yeah, this is quite cool. So I think anything that racing can do just to make something a little bit more different than just the run of a mill meeting that's always there. I think that's going to be quite important. You know, there are so many different themes that you could come up with and they would work, maybe not so in the jumps, but just sort of embracing it a little bit more or deals or price deals, you know, five pounds in for the day, something like that, that just makes it stand out a little bit more than the run of a mill fixture. Yeah, because you, you mentioned Windsor Monday nights, but Windsor have made Monday nights what they are. Mm. I can't, you can't imagine that it was the top pick for anybody. No. Uh, but they've made it. They've made it work. Um, should you mentioned the bet about the big festival? Should more emphasis be placed on those people that dip in, as you've said, to Cheltenham Festival and the Grand National, rather than those that go to Ascot, Glorious Goodwood? Because we've we all sort of seen that they're a different type of person. Yeah, I mean, Ascot and Goodwood are, are two other big examples of, of where people could necessarily dip in. I think Ascot to an extent do good with perhaps... I don't think the flat season is perhaps having the same amount of pulling power as those the jumps, quite frankly. Um, I think what, what... Not for racing fans. Not for people that actually... Do you think uh, that more people that like racing go to Cheltenham in the Grand National even... No, I'd say outside of racing, the what people would turn on the telly for, what people would have a bet for, what people would be interested in. I think they would watch the Grand National, they would be interested in Cheltenham. But where Goodwood and Ascot are in the calendar and perhaps that's why they don't sort of have the same sort of but appeal. But they would go there but not for the, re, not possibly, for the racing. Possibly, yeah. Possibly for, for, for the day out idea yeah. but in terms of what people because a lot there's only so many people that go through the doors it's about people who watch at home people are betting at home people about who are sort of investing their time in the sport away from the race course so I think that's, that's also quite an important factor to remember it's not just about who comes. And is it fair to expect that a group of young people that have all gone for a day at the Cheltenham Festival and absolutely loved it can be involved to the extent that they'd soon be regulars at Exeter or you know Warwick or wherever? I mean, it's diff it's difficult because um, because it depends on their experience of the day. So you can only make that experience so good. I think it all comes back to the idea of of what I think is the way forward is just, just sort of cramming the way of getting these syndicates in because I think. If these people are going to Cheltenham for a good day, they might have a good day, they might have a bad day. You know, that will depend. Whereas if they've 
if I had a journey of a horse and an, and an individual, you know, an individual journey, that's more likely to make them want to go back because their horses run three times in a year at least. They're going to go to free fixtures if they can. Um, in terms of what we can do on the race day, I think it's just really about um, sort of. I think a lot of people who I speak to about racing, the biggest turnoff is the price, the, the amount they're paying for everything. So if you can make a, a an ordinary fixture a bit more affordable, you know. It's cheap, you know. It's a it's a tenner to come in today. That'll draw people in just because they think they're getting a good deal. So, I've, I think there's a lot of different models that, that we can look at. Um, but there are people who are a lot better than me. I'm afraid. Okay, now I want to go into the syndicate thing again. Okay, me and you are talking now. After this, we think bloody great idea. Let's start a syndicate. How easy would it be? Well, it's not easy, and I don't think the, and that's the problem. That is the problem. That is the problem. And I also think that it's also very very expensive when you don't know necessarily what you're going to get. So you're saying, I want to do this, but I need this money. And you don't know if you're going to get this money because you don't know how many people you're going to get. You know, it's a very, very difficult process and perhaps it's far too difficult. And, you know, yes, it's, it, it, it's complicated, but in my mind, if we can really drive it forward and find a way of, of doing that, and I'm sure there will be somewhere that's, that's going to help the game. That's just what I think, but how it happens and what, what we can do as a sport to make it better. It's, um, a little bit beyond my pay grade, I'm afraid. Okay, but hopefully this isn't... Is racing in danger of being collateral damage to the anti-gambling lobby? Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's something we don't know what will happen next with. It's an uncertainty. It's a, it's a big cloud. And we don't quite know what the extent of it will be. And furthermore, we don't know what the sort of... Um, the outcomes of, of it will be and, and what, what will change. Um, I'm in the decision that I feel that racing really has to sort of distance itself more from the sort of gaming side of, of, of betting you know I think that, that racing as a sport is I mean I think a lot of people I always sort of look, bring it back to sort of alcohol on the whole people sort of look at alcohol as if it's okay and you know it's what people do and you don't talk about people who are binge drinkers and people who are um, sort of wine connoisseurs and people who take their wine very seriously in the same bracket and I think to the same extent we need to sort of push that sort of idea of that actually racing as a sport you're not just you know you, you tend not to just punt on anything you're studying it you're looking at draw bias as you said you know we're looking at all these different factors you're really studying a sport and then put your money in it's not just going to a, a fob tea and spending lots of money and just in the hope that the the ticker is is in your favor this they're two very separate entities and i think that when that decision sort of comes out when that racing has to be very clear in the fact that this is a sport that for the majority of people is enjoyed and gambling is enjoyed but at the same time across the board the regulation has to be completely upped because it's it's not there it's failing and it's the reason that government are really having to look into it themselves okay so getting to the end here how healthy is racing as a sport now i think racing is in a healthy position. I think it has a lot of potential, but it's, it's very much untapped. I think that as a sport, it, it's got the facilities in pretty much every big city, a big facility, um, which attract hundreds of people that they know it's there. They know what it's about. It's, it's got two massive meetings, Cheltenham and Aintree, and then on the flat, it's got Royal Ascot and, and Goodwood, as you say. And New York as well, to an extent, has huge pulling power selling those products and really just building them up to people who nece not necessarily are going to go but to watch and to really develop interest in that that's that's massive for the sport and i think we we perhaps shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit about how we big up these big events but they're brilliant you know they're what people 
get interested in the sport for. So we shouldn't be ashamed of, of pulling them up, but there's always room for improvement. Okay, finally, you have a long career ahead of you, hopefully. Are you convinced it'll be in horse racing? I hope so, yeah. I'd like to think so. I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful sport and um, there's some very, very good people to, uh, to get to speak to, which is always good. So, um, yeah, hopefully. Excellent. Well, on that note, James Stevens, thank you very much. New betting people interviews are published every week at Star Sports. Exclusive interviews with the key people from the world of sports betting. Check out our full library of interviews at starsportsbet.co.uk. Begambleaware.org. Over 18 only.